Daniel chapter 6, the book of Daniel chapter 6 in your Bible apps or your Bible. We are going to look at one of the most well-known stories and chapters in all of Holy Scripture. It's a powerful one, an important one. I'd like to entitle this sermon, Faithfulness in the Lion's Den. Faithfulness in the Lion's Den. And Susan is going to read our passage. Please give your attention to the public reading of God's holy word. Daniel chapter 6. Good morning. Daniel chapter 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set over him the whole kingdom. Then the officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had his windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, the thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is Daniel, who was one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to, ki to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. 
Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then, at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of the, den of the lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much, Susan. Eugene Peterson writes, of going into a bookstore, and as he's making his purchase, he sees there on display a book written by a friend of his. He and the author had talked about this book, discussed the plot and characters, and, and here it was, finally published. So Peterson said to the clerk, this book was written by a good friend of mine. And the clerk said to him, well, you better buy it. You might find yourself in it. So he bought it, and he says he did find himself in it, and he didn't like what he found. He writes, quote, there was no escaping the fact that it was me in the book. Unfortunately, though, not the me of my fantasies. No escaping the fact it was me in the story, but not the me of my fantasies. I wonder, can you relate to that? Finding yourself written into your current story, your current situation, and not liking what you find. It doesn't have to be a den of hungry lions like we just heard about. Could be any situation you find yourself in, but not liking what you find. It's you in the story, but, but not the you of your fantasies. 
But can anyone not relate to that? <laughs> maybe, maybe it's with California politics. You find yourself written into the state of California. You live here, but you don't like it right now. Or it's with a personal trial and hardship. Some difficulty, and, and the story in which you find yourself is a very challenging one. Or it's with your kids, or it's with your parents, and things are hard there right now. Or maybe it's with the church that you're a part of, and you feel dissatisfied with this story right here. Look, in, in what story are you finding yourself at present and not liking what you find? Now, for that situation, here is, I would submit, the most important question to ask. What does God want you to do right there? And more specifically, what would he want your actions to be and the posture of your heart to look like? How, how would he want you to relate to him in the midst of that story? Well, we don't have to wonder. He tells us in Daniel chapter 6, remain faithful to God because he'll be faithful to you. Remain faithful to God himself because he'll remain faithful to you. Let's, let's break that into two parts because I think that reflects the general structure of this passage. First, our faithfulness to him and then his faithfulness to us. So first, first part, remain faithful to God and his purposes. Remain faithful to God, we're going to find, and his purposes. The Medo-Persian Empire has conquered the Babylonians. We saw that last chapter. And Darius the king decides that a former high-ranking official in the Babylonian government should be one of his top leaders, the elderly exile named Daniel. Then the king decides, having observed Daniel, having observed his faithfulness, he decides to elevate Daniel to promote him over the entire kingdom. A very nice promotion for this exile. But power politics is not a new invention. Jealousy seems to drive the other top leaders to want to get rid of Daniel. And so in verse 4, we read, Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard, with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful, because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Notice that. No complaint could be lodged against Daniel in regard to the kingdom in verse 4, this unbelieving kingdom in which he's in exile. Literally, it says, no, no corruption was found in Daniel toward that kingdom. He was faithful, we're told in verse 4, faithful for that unbelieving king and kingdom in a foreign land, as an exile. Now, now just pause there for a moment because we know where the story's going. 
Daniel's faithful to the point of death. But notice that his faithfulness to God's purposes started far earlier. I mean, Daniel is doing and has been doing for a long time what the prophet Jeremiah told the exiles to do. Jeremiah wrote to these exiles and said, quote, Seek the welfare, seek the shalom, seek the well-being of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray, pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, he said, you will find your own welfare. That's Jeremiah 29. Work and pray. For the good of the land in which I put you into exile, because in the good of that land, it goes well for you. So Daniel here, already in the opening section of chapter 6, is being held up as kind of the model Israelite, doing what Jeremiah had written to the exiles, a model for exiles then and exiles now. Daniel models the fact that a follower of Jesus can make a difference in government as a legitimate vocation. But apply this to any vocation, any calling from God, computer programmer, homemaker, teacher, student, engineer, etc. Make a connection between your faithfulness in that vocation and the welfare, the shalom, the well-being of the place of your exile. It's part of why our vocations matter to God, because he accomplishes good through them. It's also why we care about biblical justice as we prayed. Because in the welfare of this place, we find our own welfare. So, Daniel has been modeling faithfulness to God's purposes for decades. But then that faithfulness gets focused, becomes laser beam sharp, because the leaders who want to get rid of Daniel go to the king. We can't find a problem with his behavior toward the kingdom. Our only hope is to, to trick him and trap him in relation to his God. So they say, hey, king, <laughs> we've got an idea. Wouldn't it be great if for 30 days everyone had to pray only to you? Think about it, king. That would unify the empire, and you'd be like everyone's mediator, the giver of every good gift, and to give this law some teeth, make the penalty for disobedience being put into the lion's den, the pit of lions that you have. And the king says, that, that sounds like a good deal. And so in verse 8, this decree is made part of, quote, the law of the Medes and Persians, notice, which cannot be revoked. Now, commandment number one of God's top ten list is, you shall have no other gods before me. Certainly that includes praying only to the living God. But now, the law of the land says you can pray only to the king under penalty of death. So what does one do? Which allegiance, which allegiance to prioritize, to God or to man? My understanding is that in some disciplines of engineering, they do what's called a stress test, where they put whatever they're building or designing under intense pressure 
to see where a possible weakness or vulnerability might be found. This is one serious stress test for Daniel's soul. Intense pressure. Facing a horrific way to die, being consumed by lions. And so we are wondering here, will this stress test reveal a weakness of vulnerability in all that faithfulness of Daniel's? Which allegiance will he prioritize, to God or to man? Verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. Open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. So Daniel goes to his upper chamber. It's probably on his roof, a little bit of structure around it, but it's, it's fairly visible. It might be a kind of latticework around this structure. It's got an opening toward Jerusalem. So he might pray toward Jerusalem, and he prays, and he gives thanks to God, as always. Now, four centuries earlier, in 1 Kings chapter 8, King Solomon was dedicating the temple in Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, and Solomon prayed, including these words, God, if your people sin, and you send them into exile, you send them into exile, yet they turn in their hearts and pray toward their land and toward the city you have chosen, Jerusalem. Then hear and forgive your people. That seems to be why Daniel keeps praying toward Jerusalem. He seems to be praying, Oh God, have mercy on your people. Oh God, forgive your people. Oh God, restore your people and bring us back to the land. Three times a day he does this, and now he does it saying, And I don't care if they kill me for this prayer. I mean, God and his purposes matter more than life itself to Daniel. Now, we don't face the death penalty for our faithfulness to God. But the stress test for our hearts is similar. And I really want to think about our hearts for a moment. If in your mind you are quickly applying this allegiance question to issues of pandemic politics, <laughs> mask or no mask, I'm, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> and I ask you to broaden the application with me to our hearts. Because change happens from the heart. I want you first to think about your heart. We want to go quickly sometimes to what should it look like? X, Y, Z. Change happens from the heart. Think about your heart. Think about the stress test we face for our hearts that is similar. Not the same, but it's similar. It's so easy in our hearts, isn't it? to want to just blend in, 
by prioritizing the wrong allegiance in our hearts. To not think as an exile and not overtly identify with Jesus and his purposes and his people. We want to live as a camouflage Christian, incognito, undercover. I mean, kids or teenagers, young adults, this is, I think, particularly your stress test for your heart. What tests the weaknesses and potential vulnerabilities of your soul? The desire to blend in and go with the flow going to be a challenge for you. It was for me. It still can be to want the approval of friends more than the honor of Jesus. To want likes on social media more than the dislike of openly following Christ. See, the challenge of this passage for all of us, for all of us is, will we prioritize God and His purposes even when it's costly? Will we have a, a costly faith? We might think of Patrick Henry rallying support in Virginia for the cause of the Revolutionary War with his famous words, give me liberty or give me death. And we love that. We say with Mel Gibson in the movie Braveheart, freedom! Because we believe freedom is worth living for and worth dying for. But this passage is asking us, do we have an even greater commitment to God in our hearts? An even greater sense of give me faithfulness to you and your purposes or give me death. I once heard John Piper say this, and I, I have made it my own prayer. That, that God would strike me dead before I was ever unfaithful to my wife. That my marriage and his honor in my marriage would matter more to me than my life. I mean, I want, I want marathon-like faithfulness. I want grace for marathon-like faithfulness in my marriage, in my parenting, and my pastoring out of primary faithfulness to God. That, that's all I'm about. <laughs> I'm a really simple guy. Those are my purposes. It's marriage, and then it's my kids, and then it's pastoring out of primary allegiance to God. That's what we want for you as your pastors. Marathon-like faithfulness. All the way to the end. I mean, this is chapter 6. Recall back in chapter 1, Daniel was taken into exile and refused to defile himself with the king's food. He's probably a teenager. He's in his 80s now. This gives hope to men in midlife like me. He's in his 80s in chapter 6, just as faithful. Running a marathon, isn't he? Brothers and sisters, where is God speaking to you this morning about a, a heart of allegiance to him above all? Faithfulness to him and his purposes. 
Where, where have you become weary in running your race? Because we get weary, don't we? Weary, where have you become weary in faithfulness? It might be that situation you find yourself in and you don't like what you find. It might be in your marriage. And someone else has caught your eye. It might be with your kids. You kind of want to give up praying, building relationship, and evangelizing, and discipling. Might be in your vocation, your job, your schooling. You don't see it as God's calling anymore. It's lacking purpose for you. Might be in your own sanctification, your own sexuality, and the pursuit of holiness is not what you're wanting at the moment. Look, it might be in your church. And this place for serving God's purposes is not what you want to do anymore. Right there in Daniel 6, God is saying, remain faithful to him. Remain faithful to him and his purposes. But how? Well, second. Second, trust. <laughs> trust God's faithfulness. Trust. Here's what empowers your faithfulness in mind. Trust God's faithfulness to deliver you. Trust his faithfulness to deliver you. The guys conspiring against Daniel see him praying as usual, and they spring their trap. And they have this interaction with the king, reminding the king of what he decreed in the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. And the king realizes he's been trapped as well, and he doesn't like it. In verse 14, the king is much distressed. Literally, it is very evil for him what these men have done. But the king realizes, I have signed an irrevocable law. I cannot undo this. So, verse 16, then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And the king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. Through the prayer of this non-Israelite king, we get the main point of the passage. I think it's pretty cool. May your God, whom you serve continually, so faithfully, may he deliver you, may he rescue you, Daniel. Verse 17, and a stone, a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. No one broke in and rescued Daniel. And the king spends the night fasting, a sleepless night, torn up over the thought of Daniel being torn to shreds. I think it's interesting. We're not told anything about Daniel's night. Wouldn't you want to know that? I mean, what, what was it like being lowered down to that pit of lions? I don't know about you. I, I love watching nature videos. I was recently watching lion videos, literally, not doing research for this sermon. I just enjoy them. And the lions are chasing the little antelopes. And you, and you kind of root for the antelope. Run, antelope, run. And it's not pretty when the lion catches the antelope. It's not pretty at all. 
That's what Daniel's facing all night long. We're not told anything about that. We're told about the king who couldn't sleep. And then at daybreak, first chance he gets, he hurries to the lion pit and in a tone of anguish in verse 20, cries out to see if Daniel could still possibly be alive. And he hears in verse 21, O king, live forever. Don't you know he loved to hear those words? Those four words. Oh my goodness, he's alive. O king, live forever. Verse 22, my God sent his angel and shut the, the lion's mouths and they have not harmed me because, because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. It's the only words Daniel speaks in the whole chapter. The lions have not, not harmed me because I was found blameless, not sinless, but faithful, faithful to God and to this king. But there's more to the deliverance that the inspired narrator lets us in on. Verse 23. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm, not a, not a scratch, was found on him because, notice this phrase, because, because he had done what? He had trusted his God. So the inspired narrator lets us in on a little insight. Fundamentally, it was Daniel's trust in God, in God and his faithfulness that carried the day. Daniel trusted that God would be faithful to deliver him, that God would be faithful to somehow, some way, deliver him, and he was. And certainly, certainly, this was, this was very good news for Israel there in exile, calling them to trust God's faithfulness to deliver them out of exile and bring them back to the land. But what about for us? Does this mean God will be faithful to deliver you from every hardship and challenge and difficulty as long as you trust him. No. God never promises that. And yet, and yet ultimately, on the long-term horizon, ultimately, that is his promise. to deliver us who believe fully and finally one day. I think you get a hint of that in the conclusion of this passage. The king has Daniel's accusers thrown to the lions along with their families, as was the Persian practice of the day. They are immediately consumed showing the lions really were hungry that night <laughs> and showing that God really did intervene miraculously to spare Daniel's life. And then, and then, the surprising conclusion beginning in verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Notice, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree. Let me make another decree overruling the one those guys forced me to make earlier. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear 
before the God of Daniel. Now why? For he is the living God, enduring forever. And his kingdom shall never be destroyed. And his dominion shall be to the end. It appears the end of time. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who saved Daniel from the power of the lions. All peoples, nations, and languages in his empire must fear the God of Daniel because he's the living God. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. And in verse 26, his dominion shall be to the end. an eternal king with an everlasting kingdom whose domain is to the end. Those words make us look toward that long-term horizon, don't they? They start to point us to the kind of king who could possibly deliver eternally. The kind of king we have in Jesus Christ. I mean, did you notice? Did you notice the, the parallels between Daniel's experience and Jesus' experience? This is an instance, I think you can safely say, of what's called typology. That's when a, a person, an institution, or a pattern in Scripture point ahead particularly to Jesus. Well, here's a pattern that does that. Daniel's experience provides a pattern, a pattern pointing forward to Christ. Catch it with me. Daniel is falsely accused, a conspiracy hatched against him. Jesus was falsely accused, religious leaders conspiring against him. The leaders declared they find no guilt in Daniel. Pontius Pilate declared he found no guilt in Jesus. But Daniel was wrongly condemned to die. Jesus wrongly condemned and crucified. A stone, a stone rolled over the mouth of the den and sealed. Daniel's tomb. A stone rolled over the mouth of the tomb and sealed for Jesus' tomb. Daniel experiences a, a kind of resurrection, unexpectedly staying alive. Jesus experienced a genuine resurrection, life back from the dead. And then Darius proclaims that all peoples, nations, and languages must fear the God of Daniel. And at the end of time, in the end of the Bible, all peoples, nations, and languages worship King Jesus, saying, as we sang earlier, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. So Daniel's experience provides a pattern, a pattern that points to Jesus's far greater deliverance, a deliverance you are caught up in if you believe in Jesus Christ. Deliverance from death and hell, deliverance from sin and suffering, deliverance even from every aspect of your current story that is causing you grief and pain. You 
believer in Jesus, you will be caught up in that ultimate deliverance in Christ. So trust, trust God's faithfulness to deliver you like that in Jesus. Remain faithful to God because he will remain faithful to you in Christ. I saw this just this past week. We emailed you. If you're on our list, if you're not, you can contact us and get on the list. We emailed you about Debbie Sperry's recent MRI. And I share this with her permission. MRI showed new cancer growth in her brain. Very difficult news. So I went to their home on Tuesday. And I sat across the living room from them. And I told Debbie something that I may have said to some of you, something I like to say to people walking through serious trials. I said to Debbie, Debbie, you are preaching a powerful sermon to the rest of us. A powerful sermon. You are modeling for us what it looks like to trust our trustworthy God to trust our faithful God. You're modeling what it looks like to trust and so persevere. And those are just holy moments for me to honor and encourage a suffering saint because she is being faithful that way with a kind of supernatural infectious joy because she's trusting God's faithfulness and his ultimate deliverance in Christ. Brothers and sisters, that's what it looks like. So you can face the diagnosis or any other story in which you find yourself and you don't like what you find. Any other situation in which it's you, but it's not the you of your fantasies, you can remain faithful because he will remain faithful to you in Christ. So back to where we began as we close. Where are you finding yourself in a story and you're not liking what you find? It's probably the situation or circumstance you've been thinking about as I've been preaching this sermon or making this point. That trial or that temptation you're facing in the marriage or as a single adult, with the kids or with the parents, in your vocation or your sanctification, maybe in your church, I mean, you're needed right here. Right here in God's purposes, you're needed. For that situation, God is saying through Daniel 6, remain faithful. Remain faithful to God. Continue prioritizing Him in your heart. 
make the greatest allegiance, the highest priority of your heart, Christ and his purposes because, because, because he will always remain faithful to you in Christ. He will deliver you fully and finally one day. So let's pray for God's help right now.